Man, I hope you guys had an incredible Thanksgiving. It is just a joy to be with you guys. And man, can I just say, how some good looking people. Y'all look good. Everybody's smiling, having a good time, a little, little turkey coma. I love it. So, man, it is so good to be with you guys as we continue our series through the book of James called Forward Faith. Man, and it has been an incredible series where God is challenging each and every one of us essentially this big idea, who are we? Because who we are determines what we're going to do. And, and maybe even a better question, I know it's in your notes, but you may want to put an S and an E onto that. Maybe a question we need to ask this morning is, whose are we? Because what we're going to see today in our passage is that whose we are, essentially what kingdom do we belong to, determines the forward movements that we take, and they determine our actions, and they stem from a really um, major place in our hearts. As we ask this question, whose are we? And I love that we've been walking through this series, and we're just asking this question. And so I want to go ahead and just ask a question, or make a statement for us this morning. I want you to write it down on your notes, on your bulletin, on your hands. I don't care, but this is a big question for us, or a big statement. Our identity determines whether we listen to the voice of selfishness or the voice of wisdom. Our identity determines whether we listen to the voice of selfishness or the voice of wisdom. And what we're going to see in this passage is James is going to ask a question of each and every one of us this morning. Are you ready for the question? Open your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 3, verse 13, and let's look at this question that he has for us. And as you're turning there, I want you to turn on your imagination for a minute. Imagine James just invited you out to coffee, and you sit down, and you get that lovely warm cup of coffee or pop for you non-coffee drinkers in the room. And he sits down, and he asks this question. James 3 Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? It's an interesting question. How many of you have walked around recently to your coworkers or your family around the Thanksgiving table and you said, anybody in the room wise? It's kind of, we don't use this word, but exactly what Pastor Jim was saying is that wisdom is this Godward thinking that leads to Godward action. Wisdom is knowledge put into practice. It is movement. It is forward. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can be the most brilliant person ever. And when you fail to actually do something with it, it's useless. It has no value whatsoever. It's Trivia knowledge, right, for that chance you may get on Jeopardy? And maybe some of you are like me. When you think you have all the answers and you think you have got all these things, um, maybe, you've, maybe this scenario sounds similar to you guys. You're driving in the car and you know you're headed to a conversation or you're headed to uh, meet somebody, and you begin to have the inner monologue. You know what I'm talking about? You begin to put yourself in the position of someone and you begin to ask questions. Well, if I say this, then this is how they're going to respond. And if I say this, this is how they're going to respond. And you begin to play the inner monologue in your head. Is that just me? Anybody in the room? Inner monologue? Okay, just to make sure I wasn't the lone crazy guy in the room. Um, we begin to play this and we have all this head knowledge. But the question is, who is wise among us? Does the conversations and the inner monologue in our head and the information we have in our head, does it actually meet the ground? And do we take steps forward with that? 
And that's exactly what James is writing to this church that's been dispersed all over Asia Minor because of the persecution and because of the will of God that the message of the hope of Jesus Christ would spread to the ends of the earth. He asks this question, who's wise among you? And he's going to help us determine through this passage, essentially, whose we are. Which kingdom do we serve? He goes on in verse 13. He says this, essentially, hey, put your money where your mouth is. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness, and there's our word again, meekness of wisdom. What's interesting about this phrase, this meekness of wisdom, it actually means strength controlled. Meekness, gentleness is strength under control. He's saying here, ladies and gentlemen, if you think you are wise, this rhetorical question Prove it with your actions. Sounds very similar, doesn't it, to something James has previously said. Faith without works is dead. It is useless. It has no value. If you say you believe something, you have head knowledge of something, but it never hits the ground and the rubber never meets the road, are you actually wise? And he challenges us because what he's going to show us is we are serving in a kingdom. There is one or the other, and we're going to see that through our passage this morning. So let's take a look at these passages. Let's take a look as we walk through verse 18 here and take a look at what are these kingdoms. The first kingdom we want to look at is the kingdom of self. So what does the kingdom of self look like for the citizens that are a part of this kingdom? Scripture points out, and James calls it out for us. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy, jealousy, and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. He begins to say, if you're a part of the kingdom of, helps you put the rest of the F there, my friends, so the words spell things correctly. If you're a part of the kingdom of self, these characteristics, these traits of your citizenship are seen and known. And they are this, bitter jealousy, they are Selfish, ambition, and this third one's interesting, false, you can scratch that out, it's wrong on your notes, to the truth. If you look at yourself, and you begin to be truly honest with yourself, intellectually honest with who you are, we can begin to see that this is pretty much all of us in the room. That there are moments where we're jealous, where we're discontent, where we desire things that we do not have, things that we do not hold on our own. And so we become jealous. Oh, they've got a better car or a better job or look at that house. And there's this discontentment that begins to breed in our hearts. Because you know what? The kingdom you are serving is self. You know what's interesting about this? This is a toddler. I've got two of them. And I love to watch them play. And by play, I mean wrestle. Because what happens is Noah will take something from Wyatt, the youngest. And Wyatt now has got some mobility, and he knows how to pick up our little plush bat. And he grabs the plush bat, and he takes a beeline for Noah and says, Thwack! <laughs> Knocks that poor dude in the head. And Noah's like, what just happened? I thought I was the big brother. Because he took something from him, and Wyatt, innate, already in his personhood, he says, no, that is mine. And he takes action 
what I love about this, this bitter jealousy, it's actually this zealous fervor to gain something that you don't have. And that's exactly what Wyatt did to Noah that day. But how many of us still, if we're honest with ourselves, we operate in that mentality? How many, if we're honest with ourselves, we look around at the people in this room or the people in our neighborhoods and we think, oh, I wish I had that. If I had that, that would make me whole, happy. My friends, you're serving the kingdom of self. You know what's really interesting is? Those toddlers grow up and they are selfishly ambitious. They put their agendas in front of everything they do. Well, if I say this, this person will think that. Or if I do this, then this person will reward me at my job. If I say this or I'll wear these clothes at school, then I'm going to be part of the in crowd and not the out crowd or whatever that looks like in our culture. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just toddlers growing up. When we serve the kingdom of self, when we begin to actually talk to ourselves and, and analyze the way that we operate, and what's even more interesting about that, this is an interesting phrase here in chapter Verse 14, excuse me, where he says, and don't be false to the truth. What essentially happens, when we serve the kingdom of self, you know what happens? This is really going on in our heart, and then all of a sudden we pretend that that's not really the case. We are false to the truth, that this is who we are by default. We desire to make ourselves whole, and we will do whatever it takes to get there, whether that is uh, take a shortcut in our job, whether that is uh, misspend our finances, whether that is um, trying to essentially build ourselves up, you know, with the fish stories that we tell about ourselves. We begin to move, and we desire everything, and we work at it as much as we can in order that we get what we want, but then when it comes down to it, we're going to pretend that that's not really the case. No, 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 that's, I'm not, no. And, but really inside, internally, we're serving a kingdom of self. And we're sitting on that throne, and when we are faced with challenges and things stress us out, we get to see who we really serve. And so a question is for us, if this is what's going on in us, where does this come from? I want you guys to see something. That this is a result of, it's, these are the symptoms, and we've got to do a little bit of heart work this morning to get to the root cause and see what's really going on with us. So he says, verse 15, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So all of those things that we just saw, jealousy, Selfish ambition, all of those things revert, uh, come from, or a result of earthly thinking that is unspiritual. And get this, this is crazy. It is ultimately demonic. James is not holding anything back and saying, hey, this is a spiritual war that we are in. There is a spiritual battle going on in each and every one of us. And we need to realize the sources of the things that bring out the things that are against God. The things that do not line up with who he's called you and ultimately made us to be. And so when we look at it, this earthly thing, it's, this is primal. When you actually look at the languages, it ties back into the way God created animals. If you remember back in the Genesis, he spoke everything into being. But yeah, what did God do? When he made man, he formed man with the hands of his own, his own hands. And then he breathed life into them. 
And so the question is, when we desire things of self, we are operating void of the spirit that God has placed in us. We are forgetting that we're created in the image of God to do greater things than we can ever imagine, to have greater influence and impact because we're so earthly-minded. And we just try to satisfy the instincts, the primal desires of our lives. It's a result of things that are unspiritual. Forgetting that we are spiritual beings. That God has created us for eternity. My friends, this morning, if we begin to really do the heart work and see where does this stem back to, we begin to see there's more going on in us, and we're a whole lot probably more complicated than we think. I'm just a simple man or a simple woman. No, there's a spiritual war being waged for each and every one of us and for the community around us. And ultimately, these things of selfishness and jealousy, it all stems from the great deceiver who lied from the beginning and has twisted the words of God ever since, causing us to believe in something that is not true about us. It is not about us. But Satan wants us to believe that with all that we are. Make yourself happy. You do whatever you need to do to fulfill yourself. Self-care yourself until you realize you missed everything around you. What's interesting about that, that word selfish ambition that we looked at a minute ago, you know what it actually means? It means to spin thread, essentially to make a blanket. You're going to do whatever you can to make something, weave something together for your own good. And Satan wants nothing more than that for us. To weave something, to spend our mental energy and our time and our money and our resources on something that ultimately doesn't matter. And so this morning, this is what one kingdom is looking like. And you know what it leads to? It doesn't end there. It actually has ripple effects. It leads to, and let's look at it in the scriptures, follow along with me. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, it's unspiritual, it's demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, where I desire things to make me feel good, and I'm going to do whatever I can to make it happen, here is what happens. There will be. Notice the language, there will be. It is going to happen. And we've seen it for thousands of years. When the kingdom of self is served... People suffer, and this is what it looks like. There will be disorder in every vile practice. So it leads to vile practice, and it leads to disorder. You know what's interesting about vile practice? It is just a manifestation. You get what you want. And what happens when our hearts, when we are in the kingdom of self and serving that king, everything that happens there is in opposition to God. It is saying, God, I know better than you. God, it's saying, God, I know what I need and you don't have a clue. God, you don't understand the pain that I'm going through, so I'm going to do whatever I can to make myself feel better. God, you don't understand what so-and-so has done to me, so I will do whatever I can to make sure they hurt like I do. My friends, we are terrible kings because it leads to these vile practices that are opposed 
to the God who formed you, breathed his spirit into you, loves you, and calls you by name. Yet this seems so easy to just hate and to speak ill of other people and to take what doesn't belong to me and use words to build self up. We see what we get there. More hurt, more pain, and the cycle begins again. And from that vile practice, there's all sorts of disorder that come from that, this chaos that happens. My family and I, we were recently in New York City for uh, Thanksgiving and the Macy's Day Parade, which is just crazy. Um, it was straight up crazy cold, um, and I don't know why we were there, other than I love my mom and my sister, so happy birthday to those ladies, all right? Um, it was crazy cold, and what I was nervous about, honestly, was being in amongst all the people. I had a little anxiety about it, getting in the subway, and I thought about all the chaos and the disorder. People are moving and going, and how do you hop on the, you know, hop on the subway with two toddlers and strollers, and like, will people help? Will it be a good place for us to be for a few days to celebrate my family's birthday? And you know what happened in that moment? There was this one lady and she spoke to my wife, who was pushing a big stroll of wide in it. And she said, hey, come this way. And she pushed open the door, and I helped her get out of the metro, out of the subway, so we could get to where we needed to go. In the middle of a place where there's this perceived chaos and disorder and messiness, all of a sudden, a light shone in the darkness. And I saw this woman be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, does she know him or not? I don't know. I hope she does. But what I saw was something that was not of that kingdom of New York. It was something other than. And it was beautiful because it brought order to something that was chaotic. In fact, it reminds me of something that God says. And what Paul tells us about God, that he is not a God of chaos, but a God of order. That he is a God who brings things into understanding to lead and guide us so that our faith actually moves forward. If you ever feel like God has left you alone in the middle of a subway and you're trying to figure out how to get where you need to go, my friends, hear loud and clear. He's opened the door for you. He's opened the door for you to a new kingdom. And let's look at what that kingdom looks like. The kingdom of God. So this kingdom of God here. What I love about this is that this list is way longer. This list has more details. It has more things going on because whenever we are part of the kingdom of God, it is fuller, it is richer, and it is incredible when we actually begin to see God at work in our lives. So follow along with me, verse 16. Or, um, let's move on to verse 17. But wisdom from above is first pure. It is peaceable. It is pure, it is peaceable, it is gentle, it is open to reason, it's full of mercy, and what I love about this is full of mercy leads to something, it's called good fruits. It is not impartial, or it's, it doesn't show partiality, it is impartial, and I think I totally just misspelled that one, so don't hold that one against me, and guess what? It's sincere. This 
is what it looks like for a citizen of the kingdom of God. They are pure. This is the same word for, from Greek hagia. means holy, means set apart, means something other than this world. We are pure when we trust in Jesus. We are pure and set apart for the kingdom of God and the work of God in us whenever we trust him. Isn't that some incredible news this morning? That you are made holy in Jesus Christ. You are not held accountable to the sins and the things that you think mar your skin and your life and your soul. Jesus has washed them white as snow, Psalms 51 tells us. You are pure. What I love about this video, guys, just killed me because I walked behind that thing, sorry. Is Followers of God, they're peaceable. They're looking for places where they can build bridges instead of walls. They're looking for places, followers of Jesus Christ, followers of the kingdom of God, are looking for places to connect with other people. They're looking in their office places. They're looking in their family. You want to know one of the hardest things? And my wife and I talked about this. The hardest place to build bridges spiritually is right with my family. We sat around a table this week. And you know what made me nervous? Asking them spiritual questions. But God calls us to be peacemakers, and yet our home seemed the hardest place to do that. Wherever you go, are you building a bridge of peace so that a relationship can be formed, so that Jesus Christ can be glorified and his name be made famous in all of the world? Are you gentle? There's our word again, gentle and meekness. Calls back all the way to the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth because it is strength under control. Just because you think you're strong and you go like all Hulk on somebody, it's not actually strength. Strength, when it's controlled, is gentle. It has the ability to speak life and hope into other people. Followers of God, they're open to reason. They're willing to listen to other people. They're willing to ask questions. Even if you already know they don't agree with your political views. Even if you already know their lifestyle is something different, are you open to listen and to ask questions? You can't be a peacemaker and a bridge builder if all you're doing is making statements that close the door to reasoning, to listening. And I love that followers of God, people like you, are open to reason in your workplaces. Teachers at the schools talking to the parents. You are open to reason, to listen, and to help move them forward in their faith, to see who God really is, a God that is for them, a God that loves them. I love that followers of God, people like you, you're full of mercy, that brings good fruits. This idea of mercy comes from the word compassion. It means to be moved at your core, at the gut level. You're like, oh, I have to do something right now. And I love that this church, so many of you, you are people that you immediately are moved by compassion, full of mercy. They bring good fruits, whether it's helping people move across town with our moving team or whether it's helping out in schools or all the ministries that God is doing with hand-to-hand in so many different places. You people are generous with your time and your energy and you're full of mercy. But we have to be reminded of this, that this is what it means to be a citizen of heaven, to be a follower of the kingdom of God. I love, we saw this earlier in James, followers of the kingdom of God, they're impartial. They don't distinguish based on 
finances or color of skin or on any sort of thing, we realize we are all in the same boat. And that boat is in need of a Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he died once for all. So that all of us and for those who are yet to come could experience true life. Life that is not full of disorder or vile practice, things that are opposed to him, but things that bring life and are rich and are full and have pay, just, just paying it forward one step after the other. What I love about this last one is that followers of God are sincere. They're transparent is what the word means. Followers of God are transparent because they have nothing to hide. They're not hiding behind any sort of bitter jealousy. They're not hiding behind any sort of uh, selfish ambition. They're not trying to work behind the scenes to weave some sort of situation into a thing that's going to benefit them. But they are sincere and they are transparent. So you can essentially say as a follower of the kingdom of God, my life's an open book. Please ask questions. How may I help you? And you begin to show your scars and you begin to show yourselves as vulnerable to other people because guess what? We are all on the same journey and we're all at different places and we're all in need of someone to say, hey, watch out. You're going to trip there. Hey, watch out. That one might hurt a little bit. Hey, if you walk in that direction, there's a lot of potholes. Please be careful. And so for many of us, where does this come from? Where does this stem from? Because the world says, oh, we're walking in this holiday season. Yeah, let's just be good and good cheer and help everybody out and have good charity, right? What well, we begin to realize, just like this kingdom over here had a source, so does this kingdom. This kingdom has a source. It's not our own uh, willpower. We're not good by nature. Romans tells us that. But it is a result of, check this out. It is a result of the Father above. So let's continue to read Back into verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure. So where is that wisdom from? So it's from above. It's from above. Now if you remember, that's an interesting phrase that James has already said once before. He said that recently in James 1, 17 and 18. So flip back over there if you will. Just flip back a page and let's read this together. James 1, 17 and 18. Every good and every perfect gift, peace, full of mercy, good fruits, reasonableness, sincerity. All of those good gifts come down from the Father of lights. So they're from above. They're from the Father of lights. This is the same God. The same God who is with the 12 disciples, with Jesus in Jerusalem, is the same God, the same Father of light, who is lighting the path for the Christians that are all over Asia Minor, that have been dispersed to the ends of the earth. And guess what? Continue reading verse 18. Oh, let's continue verse 17. With whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Notice this, that the same God who is with the 12 disciples in Jerusalem is the same father of lights that is with the Christians that are spread over Asia Minor, have been dispersed because of the hardships and the persecution and because of the trials. 
He is the same Father of lights that is here and now our God. And in him, he is eternal. There is no shifting. There is no shadow of him. He does not change. It is who he is. He is everlasting. The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is who our God is. And as we get to understand more of who he is, the more in awe we become. Because here's what it leads to. Here is what the Father of lights, through our peaceable nature, through our gentle natures, and through the gifts that he gives us, here's what it leads to. Let's look in the scriptures. Chapter 3, verse 18. And it leads to this. A harvest of righteousness. And it is sown in peace by those who make peace. It leads to a harvest of righteousness. Maybe another way to put it is this. It leads to godly actions and it leads to a full life it leads to godly action and it leads to full life a harvest of righteousness is right standing before God a right standing for the God who created the universe. A God who spoke creation into existence. A God who redeemed people who were in vile practice in complete opposition to who he is. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. A God who loves you. Truly loves and it leads to these godly actions, us responding as he leads us to be his hands and his feet, to be the people who open doors in subways, the people who speak life into our children, the, the people who smile and call people by name because each and every one of us, all seven plus billion of us, matter. God. And so, if this is what it looks like, I want to ask the question, which kingdom are you a part of? Which kingdom are you in? Are you over here where you are selfish and all you think about is who you are and what makes you happy and what's on your time schedule and what is going on in your life? I can tell you this message is messed with me because I'm convicted of this very thing. As I raise my boys, I find that I'm becoming more and more selfish because they are not operating on my timetable. They wake up in the middle of the night. They stress me out sometimes. And I begin to get angry. And God is convicting me that where I put my selfish ambitions and my wants and my desires above that of my family and the people around me, I am in the wrong kingdom. And those boys don't understand it when daddy apologizes, but you know who does? Their sister and their mama. And I got a long way to go, friends, so you can pray for me and you can pray for those boys. But what I want you to hear this morning, Philippians 3, 20 through 21 but our citizenship is in heaven. 
And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, he will, he is, transforming our lowly bodies into his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. For many of us in this room, we feel the tension of holding on to the two kingdoms, of self and desiring the things of God. Paul writes about this. He calls it out. I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do. We feel the tension. And so here this morning, for those of you who trust in Jesus, your citizenship is not of this kingdom. You do not belong here anymore. This is not your home. But this is. This is. Your citizenship has been marked by Jesus Christ. And the king of all kings stooped down from heaven to bear your sins and to bear my sins on the cross. And for the joy of his Thanksgiving table. Can you imagine that? For the joy of the children gathered around his table. He endured the cross. He endured the cross because he knew that by building a bridge of peace to us who were hostile to God, he would redeem us. It's his kindness that leads us to redemption. It's his love that calls to us. It is the hope that all the sad things will come untrue, as the Jesus Storybook Bible says, that helps us move forward in this faith. And so for us this morning, are you wise? And I ask this question, whose are you? Are you the kingdom of self? Are you his? And if you are his, you've got some work to do. A joyous work. To be ambassadors for the king. That our homes would be outposts and beacons of light and darkness. That your job would not be a job to pay the bills, but it would be a place that you get to raise the anthem. That there is hope and his name is Jesus. That your school students, your schools are not a place for you to take tests, but they are places to be witnesses and to testify that Jesus is the Christ. Kids, you are to grow and to help us remember what it is to be his children. Because we're not citizens of this earth. We are no longer citizens of self. And so I want to invite you to respond and to pray this prayer that James writes to the church, to us. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously, who gives generously, who 
overflows with generosity to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so this morning, my friends, I invite you. I invite you to pray that prayer as we sing and respond to who God is for his goodness, for his love, for the breath that he has put in our lungs. I invite you to ask God and pray for wisdom that is from above, that he gives generously so that you and I can move forward in our faith, that we can take steps of obedience as he speaks, we would respond. And so each and every one of us, we have heard the word of the Lord this morning. How are we to respond? How are we to live now? For the kingdom of God, it is always forward. It is ever marching on. And as the beautiful story of the Chronicles of Narnia say, further up and further in, there is more to be discovered about who he is. And there's more people we get to share his name with. Let us respond this morning in prayer and in thanksgiving and in worship because he alone is worthy. So God, would you speak to us? Father, would you call to the depths of our hearts this morning, would you bring conviction that leads to repentance this morning, God? And would you free my friends here this morning of guilt and shame? Would you speak life into tired bones? God, would you bring joy and life? Because this it's just a taste of what it is for all eternity. You, O oh God, do not change. And you are worthy yesterday. You are worthy today. And you are worthy tomorrow. May we live like it. God, you are good. May all the earth know you and trust you, and bow the knee to you, our King Jesus. And we pray this in his name, and everyone said, amen. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you, yes, all of you, blameless before the presence of his glory, with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, be majesty, be dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. May you walk forward in a faith that is not your own, that God in his great love has deposited in your heart so that you can say Jesus is Lord, that you would live fully alive in his kingdom. And may you 
be his ambassadors as you leave this place. Go in the strength and the joy of Jesus Christ. Have a great week, guys. See y'all later.